Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, as far as etiquette goes, I think you were on thin ice. Welcome to I Tell My Husband the News. I'm Shannon Ray Green, a journalist at USA Today. Each week, I catch my husband up on all the stories he may have missed. He doesn't really like to read or watch the news, so I'm pretty much his sole news source. It's a big responsibility. My husband, Dusty Terrell, is a local comedian in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being here, Dusty. Thanks for having me, Shannon. Happy belated Valentine's Day, Dusty. Thanks, Shannon. I had a good one. Did you have a good one? I really did, yeah. We had... Did your husband do something special for you? You know, I don't think that's required. That's code for no, he did not. (laughs) Valentine's Day feeds on sales of chocolate and flowers, and it's a thing that's required. And I don't think, I think the amount of money it costs is maybe a little silly, you know? So I think just us holding hands and telling each other we love each other is what I want all days of the year. I've, I've trained you well, I think. <laughs> um, a guy at my work said that if you're doing it right, then every day is Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah. And that's, uh, I would say that's what we're doing. Yeah. I feel like we know inherently how much we care about each other. And we know it because we say it, but also from our actions. We maybe said, I love you like one extra time than usual (laughs) on Friday. But for the most part, like any other day. It was a good Valentine's Day. In the newsroom, we had lots of flowers coming in, but the best bouquet was the Olive Garden breadsticks bouquet. (laughs) Someone decided to run out and take advantage of the deal where you could just buy dozens and dozens of breadsticks. That's true love right there. Yeah, so the editors know how to get right at these journalists' hearts through their stomach. <laughs> no new reviews this week on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. If you'd like to leave us a review, please do that. It really makes us feel great. So please do it. It's wonderful. And subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you'd like to reach out, uh, we're pretty good at responding. So you can tweet us. I'm at Dusty Terrell. I'm at Shannon Ray Green. And you can email us at I tell my husband the news at usatoday.com. Is tipping on the way out? Here's why more travelers are joining the do not tip movement. Yeah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> No one is surprised. No one who has been listening to the show is surprised to hear that. This was written by my colleague Christopher Elliott, and it's special to USA Today. Tipping has reached a tipping point. Many travelers say they're tired of shelling out gratuities to everyone they meet. Hotel concierges, luggage porters, tour guides, and of course restaurant servers. Enough is enough. They do not tip anymore. 
The changes are happening slowly. Travelers say the ever-present tip jars and outstretched hands leave them confused and frustrated. Gradually, consumers are easing up on gratuities, and businesses are moving away from compensating staff with tips. Never tippers might be thought of as rude, but one thing is clear. They are the future. Tipping may be on the way out. Barbara Howell is a frequent air traveler and registered nurse from California. She says travelers should tip when they receive outstanding service, not to subsidize the salaries of service employees. She said, quote, I'm beginning to wonder if tipping is right, unquote. Ed Horenberger, a retired printer from Philadelphia, says he agrees, and he's trying to avoid tipping situations altogether. He said, quote, sometimes I go to a convenience store for just coffee or to McDonald's for lunch just to avoid the issue, unquote. I'm sure those people would appreciate you tipping as well. (laughs) Nick Brennan, who is a frequent traveler, said, quote, tipping is illogical, archaic, and irrational, unquote. On a visit to Las Vegas, his sit-down restaurant slipped a laminated card in his menu soliciting a 15 to 20 percent tip. The notification, left for the benefit of international travelers such as Brennan, infuriated him. He said, quote, why don't we tip the cashier at Costco while we're at it, or the bank teller, or the American Eagle sales associate, unquote. But doesn't everyone tip? Actually, no. A survey by Dynata, a data and marketing services firm, found only 37 percent of people reported that they always or frequently tip at fast casual restaurants. Almost 60% of Uber riders never tip, and those who tip leave an average of $3, according to a study by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Carol Sadowski, a retired secretary from Plantation, Florida, says she tips at full-service restaurants, but at cafes and places with counter service, she refuses to tip. She stopped frequenting her local Chinese restaurant when it imposed a $5 delivery fee. Sadowski says she used to tip her driver generously to cover his cost, but the new fee plus the expectation of a gratuity feels like a money grab to her. She says, quote, more and more I see people looking to be tipped for everything. I just don't get it. Why don't restaurants just pay a decent wage and charge accordingly rather than depending on customers to make up the difference, unquote. And some are doing that. Last fall, La Strada Italian Kitchen and Bar in suburban Detroit transitioned to a salaried server program. The owner and executive chef there, Zarco Palochage, says he researched best practices around the world and concluded that the American system didn't work. Palochage says he believes the industry is moving towards salaried servers. Many travelers are afraid to admit that they've stopped tipping. Privately, they tell me they stopped handing out dollar bills like Halloween candy because tipping is out of control. Tip jars are everywhere, even in laundromats. When you don't fill the jar, employees glare at you. In some tip-heavy businesses, such as hair or nail salons, you're not even allowed to include the worker's tip in your credit card payment. Instead, you're required to bring the tip in cash, use an on-site ATM to withdraw it, which the business can profit from by charging you a fee, or use an app such as Venmo or Apple Cash to send it directly to the hairdresser or nail technician. Even when a credit card slip or tip jar doesn't overtly demand a gratuity, you might have to deal with signs guilting you into leaving money. The members of the Do Not Tip movement say they want to pay their servers and tour guides a fair wage. But for them, this isn't about workers' pay. It's about honesty. If a business advertises a product or service at one price, the customer should be able to pay that price, period. If businesses expect a 20% tip, why not just raise the price by 20%? Don't try to guilt someone into paying more, they say. So here's a reality check. Refusing to tip is sometimes a breach of etiquette. At least that's according to some etiquette experts, such as Nick Layton, who co-hosts the podcast Were You Raised by Wolves? He explained, quote, We have a tipping culture and tradition, and so if you're a never-tipper visiting a restaurant within our boundaries and refuse to tip, you are by definition rude, unquote. Is the system fair if it pays service workers poverty wages and expects them to make up the difference with tips? He said, quote, We could debate that, unquote. 
There's a gray area for tipping, even among experts. Should you tip your Starbucks barista? How about your hotel housekeeper? When is it optional? And where is it required? I'm a little confused, too. The system is unfair to both travelers and employees, and it needs to change. Service employees ought to be paid a living wage and not rely on your generosity or guilt to make ends meet. Unfortunately, it may be that the only way to change the situation is if enough people stop tipping. So here's some places that the author suggests should ban tip jars. Coffee shops. Customers have long puzzled over the presence of tip jars at cafes that serve drinks over the counter. What exactly are they tipping for? Who knows? Grocery stores. What are you tipping for at the checkout register? The employees are doing their job and they get a salary. Free in quotes, shuttle buses. Drivers are salaried workers. Unless they go above and beyond, say, helping you load your luggage, you shouldn't be expected to tip. I don't think I've ever seen a tip jar at a grocery store before. I haven't either. It's bold. Yeah, I don't tip very often, but I don't like to admit that. So let's just say I always tip. Um, of course, that excludes restaurant workers like that. That that seems like a mandatory if there's a little spot on my on my, you know, ticket to write a tip in, then I'm probably going to write a tip in there. Except counter workers where sometimes I don't. <laughs> and then it's awkward because I just draw a little line through the tip area. I feel like that's a real slap in the face. I don't think I've been glared at very many times, though, for not tipping. I don't think I have either. But I do think that I, I mean, I think I have definitely tipped on Uber rides. I i have never done that. I honestly don't know how, and I'm not about to look into it. <laughs> I feel like that's the best thing about Uber is not having to tip. But it is nice that it would all just be done through electronic payments and stuff, you know, through the credit card. Yeah, the whole idea that you have to like carry, carry around cash. Yeah. No, thank you. No, no. I carry around a little bit of cash just for emergencies, but... Not just enough to be doling out tips all over the place. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to tip uh, waiters and waitresses because they don't actually even make minimum wage. So as long as the restaurant is paying them as little as they are. But if somebody's making full minimum wage or higher, then I, I don't see why tipping is necessary. That being said, I think I should get tipped at my job more often. <laughs> If you brought in a tip jar, you could just start glaring at people and then they might just respond. Well, maybe I should do that. Like if somebody <laughs> comes in and asks me where something is or for my help or to take an action or something, I'll just be like, okay. But then I just like flick the tip jar a little bit until they, they put something in there. Um, as far as etiquette goes, I think you were on thin ice with that kind of idea. <laughs> That's yeah. a fun thing to joke about. <laughs> I just, I don't even know who would tip me because I don't, at my job, I don't interact with customers really. So it would just be like my coworkers tipping me and that never happens. Like it's not like, <laughs> it's not like a, a maid at a hotel expects the, uh, the other maids to tip her. No. <laughs> yeah, that would be very weird. Maybe you could give me some more tips. I'll give you a tip. Uh-oh. Here it comes. Don't expect me to give you any money because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. So do you think you could do it? Do you think that you could start? I would love to not tip, but I can't be the first one to do it, Shannon. You I don't want to help? I got to keep doing it. I can't be viewed as rude. My, I, I'm too much of a people pleaser. I can't... Uh, 
You can't get over to the tipping point? No. Mm-hmm. With the no tipping? I can't do it. <laughs> I got, if everybody else stops tipping, then I'd be happy to stop tipping, but I can't be on the forefront here. I'm a, I'm a personality, Shannon. People know me from my podcast, <laughs> and if I just stop tipping, then people will know me as cheap, which... Nothing I've ever said has led anyone to believe (laughs) I would possibly be. Except for constantly. Every episode. Do you ever feel like you don't know how to tip? Like you don't know how much someone should get? All the time. I have no idea. Like what's offensive. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to know the rules. Just tell me the rules and I'll follow them. But then people, some people get annoyed about the rules. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And then they change too. Like remember when restaurants were like 15% was considered a pretty good tip? I bet there's people listening that don't even remember a world like that. Mm-hmm. And then they said like 18, it should be 18%. But then who can do that math? Nobody. No so most people just tip 20%, I think. The trick with like a business just switching to no tips too is like you have to tell everyone who walks in the door and you might not get that many customers because it will have to reflect in your in your menu prices, which maybe that would turn people away from the restaurant, you know. So it's tough for, like, this decision to just happen. You know, it's so ingrained. Right. Uh, when you and I travel abroad, we typically, I typically, like, Google, like, do they tip in this country? And the answer is almost always no. And then I just feel great about just walking away. Although I think sometimes people for, uh, in foreign countries, they wait on Americans and then they kind of expect Americans to tip because Americans Because it's so commonplace. Yeah. They're like, oh, you didn't tip me? Why? <laughs> like, I didn't think you did that here. And they're like, well, we don't, but you <laughs> do. So we have to carry that ball and chain with us everywhere we go. Yeah. We're shackled to that tradition. Seems like it. <laughs> Milwaukee Airport lets travelers check their coats before leaving for warm destinations. Seems like a pretty good idea. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. This was written by my colleague Joe Tashler. He writes... If you're the type of person who lives in a cold-weather state but flees winter each year in favor of a warm-weather destination, you've probably faced this dilemma. What do you do with your heavy winter coat? You can stay warm on the way to the airport and then lug your winter coat with you to the beach where you won't need it. Or you can leave the park at home or in your car and freeze on the way to the airport terminal. That's what I usually do. I just kind of just try to pack like a sweatshirt and just bear it all the way to the airport. Then Then you freeze again on the return trip. Right. (laughs) The folks at Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport say they have come up with a solution. Leave your coat with them. The airport said in a statement last Thursday, quote, Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport is proud to announce the debut of a new coat check service. Let us store your heavy winter coat while you travel. A coat check is now open at the Summerfest Marketplace. The cost is $2 a day. The new amenity is sure to be a hit with travelers heading to warm weather destinations, unquote. Travelers had been asking for the service with, where can I leave my coat, being one of the top questions asked at the airport's information desk, according to airport spokesman Harold Mester. He said, quote, we think this is something that the traveling public will take advantage of, unquote. He also said that the airport is prepared to handle as many coats as people drop off, whether that's 100 or 1,000 or more. 
What about a billion coats, huh? Where are you going to put all those coats? <laughs> those numbers are sure to soar during spring break, when tens of thousands of Wisconsinites head to Mitchell to catch a flight to just about anywhere warm. Spring break is the busiest time of the year at Milwaukee's airport, far outpacing travel during the busy holiday season between Thanksgiving and Christmas. During the peak of spring break travel, the airport can see upward of 24,000 passengers a day. Brian Jeranzik is the airport director, and he said in a statement, quote, We believe we're the only major airport in the nation to offer coat check services, and it's a great fit during our harsh winters. Heavy winter coats can take up a lot of space in overhead bins on planes and in luggage, unquote. That's the biggest reason is those people always stuffing their coats in the overhead bins. Your coats don't belong up there. That's for our luggage. Mm-hmm. You put your coats on your lap or in front of you. Don't put it up there. It's just taking up space. So the maximum charge of $10, with the coat check service being $2 per day, is attractive. The new program is destined to be a hit, according to Peggy Fisher, who's the president and owner of Shooting Star Travels in West Bend. She said, quote, I think it's really, really smart. It's really ingenious, unquote. I don't know about ingenious. We're just talking about a coat check. It's not like they invented something here. Fisher said that she usually leaves her uh, coat in the car and that she hates having to do that. She would gladly pay $2 a day and even the maximum of $10 to leave her coat at the airport. She said, quote, that's a no-brainer, unquote. The new policy could even help alleviate the perpetual shortage of overhead bin space on flights. Dan Lenzen is a spokesman for Southwest Airlines, and he said in an email, quote, We encourage customers to hang onto their coats and jackets to allow space for everyone who has carry-ons that don't fit under the seat in front of them. If their space in the bins after boarding is complete, then we let customers know they, mo- they may put their coats and jackets in the overhead bins, unquote. Which there's never space after. <laughs> but if the bins are full, you might have to keep your coat on your lap for an entire flight. Southwest is the market share leader at Mitchell International. The airline typically puts 20 additional flights on its Milwaukee to Florida routes each Saturday during the spring break peak. The service will be offered inside the new Summerfest Marketplace store, which is located in a pre-security area in the airport's concession mall. Travelers arriving from international destinations will need to take a free shuttle from the International Arrivals Terminal to the main terminal to retrieve their coats. $10 a day maximum, huh? But what they don't tell you is you got to tip on top of that. <laughs> Too much tipping. <laughs> yeah, I think they got a they got a good idea on their hands. So that would be that'd be a handy thing. I'm probably too cheap to take advantage of it. I'm just going to still bear through the cold, but uh but it's still a good idea. We don't we don't live in a place that cold, so it's not that difficult for us. The sweatshirt can usually get me to the airport just fine. Yeah. And last today, we've got the lightning-fast headline roundup. Does Dusty care about these stories in the slightest? Here we go. So there's a ranking of the state's most looking for love, according to Google. And guess who's at the top? Virginia? Virginia. It really is for lovers. Trending search data that's been released by Google shows that Virginia searches for queries that have the word love in it more than any other state. The three questions most asked by these hopelessly romantic Google users are what is love, how to love yourself, and how do you know when you love someone? I don't think these are the sort of questions you should be asking Google. (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) Who should you ask, your mom or dad? 
maybe if they're available or <laughs> someone you trust. I don't know. But uh, philosophers, I suppose. Hmm. But not Google. Google is who you go to when you need to learn how to replace a part on your dishwasher. Not, uh, <laughs> yeah. not when you need to know what love is. Are people are typing this into Google or uh, robots? That sounds like a ro- <laughs> or aliens <laughs> pretending to be people. What is love? Tell me. <laughs> KFC and Crocs set out to make your dreams of wearing a bucket of chicken come true. I mean, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but that has never been my dream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I did want to rain on their parade. <laughs> They are retailing for fifty nine ninety nine. That's uh fifty nine ninety eight too much. <laughs> they look like a bucket or they look like chicken? They look like crocs with a fried chicken top. You know, like they have a pattern on them. So they look like chicken. The bottom was designed to look like KFC's chicken box. One iteration of the crispy Crocs comes with removable chicken-scented gibbets charms so it can smell like the fried protein. The charms were designed to look like drumsticks. So those rest on top of the, the pattern that's on the Crocs. I don't think I've ever heard the word gibbets before, and I don't think I ever want to again. <laughs> How the new Samsung Galaxy phones stack up. As long as they don't catch on fire they're probably better than their predecessors <laughs> the price is starting at 999 and then the ultra is going up to $1400 that's ridiculous kaching your old tech can collect more than just dust that implies money shannon and i'm interested nintendo to open game lounges at major us airports ooh I love lounging and games. I think the lounges, like other lounges at the airport, might have a select clientele. Yeah. Is that what's going to happen here? Because I have status nowhere. Snapchat rolls out new mental health feature. I think relying on Snapchat to help you with your mental health is as bad of an idea as Googling what is love. (laughs) These things can't help you. You need other help. The heartbreaking truth of the broom challenge. Is that it just happens all the time? Yeah. It's based on faulty science and rumors that date back almost a decade. Tap into a real slot machine without leaving home. Atlantic City's Hard Rock Casino unveiled slot machines that are in the casino but entirely activated and played by gamblers over the internet. Yeah, that's what I've been looking for is a way to just lose money at home. (laughs) The soap opera effect on TVs is real. Fix it now. Is that where, like, everything's a little out of focus? Yeah. The story says that motion smoothing on a TV can create weird image quality. Why this is bad and how you can change it. Is that what they're talking about? Are they talking about how your evil twin might come back from the dead and do things? (laughs) (laughs) Student to get $10,000 after half-court shot controversy. I could probably make a controversial half-court shot. (laughs) By controversial, do you mean you might not make it? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll cheat in some way. That's what I mean. Mm. 
man takes down a suspect with a shopping cart. I wouldn't expect anything less when shopping at Criminal Mart. (laughs) United Airlines subs Biscoff cookies for Oreos. Oreo thins. Are you upset by this, Shannon? I really like Biscoff cookies. But you also really like Oreos. Yeah, but Oreo thins are kind of a different breed. That's true. Next week on I Tell My Husband the News. Well, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. That's why it's called the news. (laughs) I Tell My Husband the News is part of the USA Today podcast network. New episodes come out every Monday. If you want to check out other podcasts from all across the USA Today network, just go to podcast.usatoday.com. Or find them wherever you listen to podcasts, like Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.